day four of the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. Uh, I would be having an absolute ball if not for this bug that's been going around Los Angeles. I think everyone's gotten it and I've got it now, but I sweat it out, I think. Thankfully, I'm here at my home studio, so no reason for alarm. I also said, or I tweeted yesterday, that I thought four games a day was nothing. Bring on five. Four games is plenty. Three games is the, the right spot. And uh, it's hard to consume these games. I, 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 I was watching Spain, Croatia, Spain, Costa Rica, and I kind of fell asleep. So I had to watch the majority of that game again. That was cruel and unusual punishment. But it's a service to you. This is the Soccer G World Cup Daily. As I want to, you know, this is, I, we really appreciate everyone who's tuned in. You can see this on my YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. In fact, there are all my social media handles. You can catch me on TikTok. You can catch me on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, you're on YouTube where you already are. You can also hear the Soccer OG World Cup Daily every day in audio podcast form where all podcasts are available. Stick around. We're going to have a USA look ahead. It's not the preview. We are just having a check-in with the U.S. men's national team. As you all know, Friday they play England. It is, uh, it's highly anticipated. They had 8 million viewers for the USA-Wales game. They're going to double that on Black Friday. You guys get into Black Friday? This Black Friday kind of terrifies me. People act like it's a holiday. You get it, legally it's a holiday. But um, to me, Black Friday is like that movie, The Purge. When it comes around, you don't leave your house. You don't, because you might die. So Black Friday, a great, a great excuse to just sit in and watch all four World Cup games. And I, look, I know I've, we're here a lot. And I know all of you guys don't get to see the games, and that's the service I want to do. I hope it's nuanced. I don't have the answers. Nobody does. So if you follow people on social media, if you're watching other videos and they tell you they have the answers, they don't. They don't. Um, a lot of people were uh, saying, well, I wish we had John Herdman as our coach. I go, what? Why? And, you know, everyone, it's, it's excessive, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to give you some information and you can decipher it. Uh, I listen to the interviews and everything and I'll, I'll pack them onto you. And I watch all the games, including the Spain-Costa Rica game, one and a half times. Yikes. So, I uh, did want to start off today. Uh, there, the protests continue. The German national team. Had uh, they covered their mouths ahead of the starting lineups? They didn't wear the captain's armband because they don't want to risk the yellow card. It's a nice gesture, but that really is all it is. And these things will get forgotten. Um, it's it's not enough. We really had look. Sh there shouldn't be a World Cup happening here, but we had 12 years to do something about it, and we didn't. And we let it happen. And now it's worse than we ever could have thought. So no one's being brave. No one is. No one is sticking their neck out. But if we heard the Danish national team is considering walking out. I hope they don't do it after they get eliminated for some reason, if that's the case. But if they do it today, that would be a huge gesture. And I would say, okay, let's protest it. But that hasn't happened. I, I have a feeling something is going to happen, whatever that looks like. So we will stay at stand put. We're enjoying the games. But if we have to sacrifice this World Cup, I think it's for a great cause because we've been bullied here by the Qatari organization, and we've got, someone's got to make, make a stand. FIFA is now talking about putting a World Cup in North Korea, how tone-deaf they are. I mean, FIFA issued a, uh, you know, a suspension of the Mexican national team because the crowd would yell out the P-word. 
And while it's a horrible, it's a horrible thing, the Mexican national team doesn't have that much control over it. And yet they will punish them, yet they let this World Cup go on and actually align themselves with Qatar with regards to the homo homosexual rights and the female rights and the migrant worker rights. It's, it's deplorable. So uh, we gotta, we got to figure it out. Also, just for Qatar, hey, how about filling out these stadiums? Come on. All right, well, let's get into it because we have a lot of ground to cover and we don't have a lot of time. So take your seats and I will begin reading The Great Gatsby. In my younger and more formative years, we have a long way to go. That's uh, actually a joke from Andy, Andrew Kaufman. Andy Kaufman, in case you're wondering, he would read The Great Gatsby at a comedy show. We will start with uh, Croatia and Morocco. Great breakthrough here for African teams. Maroc coming through. There is hope. We'll see two African teams, which we'll preview here, coming up on Thursday as both Cameroon and who am I missing? Ghana will be playing. But after the Tunisia result, this Morocco result gives Africa some momentum. Croatia looked pretty flat. They were better in this game and they were never in any threat to give up a goal. But um, it was interesting to me how they used Luka Modric. Sometimes he was almost playing right back. And Luka Modric was very influential. But you can see Croatia's making concessions to have Luka Modric on the field. Then you got to have him. But that leaves them shorthanded. Because Luka Modric, by the way, did not get a yellow card in this game. He could have had three. He had three really poor tackles that were not punished. The fact that not one of them was really gives me pause. If you watch that game, I was like, what is going on? I mean, he came in late. It was at least one, maybe two. I mean, two, maybe three is too much, but two at the very least. He probably shouldn't finish that game. I, I really like the way uh, Morocco's built out. Uh, it, it, their coach even said, we played like a European team today. We played with a balance. And he said, I'm very happy. Valid Regragui. And they are a European team. I mean, they look like it. Amrabat in the middle. Hakim Aguerd, who we've seen it. I'm a West Ham fan. We haven't seen him play for West Ham, but there you go. Yassine Bono in goal. They have really good teams. Ziyech and Nezri. So this is, a, this is a European team. That's why it was great the U.S. played them. And I'll get back to that in a moment because it's like playing a European team. The U.S. played Japan. That's like playing a European team too. They, there's imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Morocco and Japan have the players to imitate European countries. So they do it. And it's great to see because that is the standard. Uh, Croatia, this looks like it's not going to be, you know, Mateo Kovacic got su substituted. He was poor. Kramaric was, eh. Um, Perisic was okay. He was one of the better players, I thought. But this is a very tough group that also includes Belgium and Canada. And it, now it's really well poised. Both of them have a sh chance to advance. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling Morocco a little bit more. I'm glad they came out with some conviction and were able to uh, get that result. So let's talk now about Germany and Japan, the big shocker. I had a feeling about this Japanese team. I'm not going to sit here and toot my own horn by my predictions, but toot, toot. I had Japan finishing second behind Spain in this group. And it, it looked bad in the first half when Japan was not touching the ball. They had like 17% possession. It was like really odd. But even then, the Germans wouldn't take their chances. We talked about Musiala, who had a couple glimmers. We talked about Asane. We talked uh, about... Uh, all the guys, I mean, obviously, it's, they have a, a bit of a concern with Kai Havertz at the number nine. It was very poor. Gundogan hit a penalty. Second half, 
Second half, Hajime Moriyasu, the Japanese manager, ate Hansi Flick's lunch with the adjustments and with the substitutions. It was absurd, the turn of events. And when Japan scored the equalizer, you had a good feeling that they were possibly going to win this game, and they did. Both goal scorers were substitutes for Japan. Um, and even uh, Takumi Minamino, who came in, he had a nice run as a substitute. And this is a fantastic uh, development for the Japanese. Uh, I'm very excited about what this team has been able to do. Hansi Flick is one of those managers that could be coaching a top European team. He was at Bayern Munich. So he's the upper echelon of managers. To see uh, Moriyasu do what he did, uh, Ritsu Doan scoring Takuma Asano, an incredible goal that will be celebrated in Japan for decades. I mean, remember, they did not touch the ball. We were concerned about the German defense. We had every reason to be. They were exploited. And the lack of cutting edge in the attack. And Germany is probably not getting out of these groups. Because now they have to make up Japan. And they face Spain on Sunday. That's going to be insanity for this German team. So it might be three and done. And now we can raise questions about them. It's very concerning. Thomas Mueller called it a horror scenario. Uh, very interesting. I just thought it was very well handled by Japan. They Look, they're going to be a team that makes a semifinal or a final. Maybe not this time around, but you see the development. As we said yesterday, 19 of 26 players play in Europe. I don't want to dwell too much time on Spain, Costa Rica. That was hard to watch. I mean, Costa Rica started with five in the back, then they went to four in the back. They look like traffic cones, the Ticos, just standing there. I don't know if you watched Monty Python where they had a, a, a fake soccer game between the London gynecologists and the Long John Silver impersonators. And that Long John Silver impersonators had one leg. That's what it looked like. They were running through them repeatedly. Um, seven zips, six different goal scores. Incredible pop as well off the bench for the Spanish. The, uh, this was my team to win it. I feel much better about that pick. I mean... Marco Asensio got the start. Alvaro Morata comes off the bench. He scores. Ferran Torres, Olmo, Danny Olmo, they get involved and score goals. This was the best performance up till now. Maybe Costa Rica is this bad. I would like to think that Spain is this good. Spain are historically a poor starter in tournaments. We saw them in the Euros last summer and they were able to get to the semifinals and almost got to the final. We also saw it when they won the World Cup in 2010 when they lost to Switzerland. So I don't know what this means, but just the eyeball test, I mean, that was terrifying. That could have even been worse. You, you don't see games like that in the World Cup anymore. I mean, the, the bottom and the top is closed a bit. And Costa Rica had, we knew they had a, a talent gap to close, but not like this. I mean, they were very positive coming into this World Cup and had that incredible run in qualifying. I mean, they did not touch the ball. Zero shots on target, zero shots, period. First team to do that since 1990. 82% possession. Uh, Spain just strikes me as a team that have it kind of figured out. Sergio Busquets is a defender. Rodri in the back of the midfield. So strong. Now that we've seen him, you feel very good. How about this stat? 976 passes to 165. Most goals ever scored by Spain in a World Cup game. So it's going to be tough for Costa Rica. It was hard to watch. You know, Kaylor Navas digging the ball out of the back of his net repeatedly. And, you know, the bottom has picked up. I mean, this was much worse than Idan, and this was worse than the Qataris in the opening game. Uh, Costa Rica, uh, 32nd out of 32 teams thus far. Belgium, Canada. 
It was so good to see Canada in the World Cup. I'm so happy for our neighbors to the north who got to sit down with their fan, family and friends and watch a World Cup game. And Canada is not just here making up the numbers. And I want to make that designation because we've got to look at Canada differently. This isn't a feel-good story. They were better than Belgium. They should have beaten Belgium. It's not a moral victory. I think people are handing that out and they're saying, what a great job John Herdman did. And he did. And he made adjustments. But this isn't a moral victory. That's a game you have to get something out of. If they tie that game with whatever their 22 shots, they're probably going through. Now that is a lot tougher because Belgium is out of reach already now. And you've got to manage to get at least four points in these next two games, maybe more. So I just that's the game you can't let go away. He made some mistakes. Alfonso Davies gets a penalty. Alfonso Davies doesn't take penalties. He took a poor pen, easily saved by Thibaut Courtois. And then Canada get the goal, or I should say Belgium get the goal late uh, from in the first half. Uh, Michi Batsuai over the top ball. And then they're able to hang on. But Canada dominated before the goal. They dominated after the goal. They finally ran out of steam. Uh, Alfonso Davies was magnificent, but he just run, he was on fumes at the end. But... Uh, I just want to, uh, uh, the expected goals, everyone's dropping expected goals, 0.86 for Belgium, the number two team in the world. That seems like a mistake on a part of FIFA. And Canada, 2.83. You know, the analytics, <laughs> Canada's got to get something out of this. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. That is a, a huge miss for them. And I, I, you, you ask questions about Davies taking that penalty. There was a decision they should have had another penalty. Um, but uh, he's a great coach. Um, John Herdman would say afterwards, I just told them they belong here. We're, we are going to F Croatia next. It's as simple as that. He's a rah-rah guy, but I get into it and I like what he is doing here. I was also happy, you know, we, we get so much criticism about the MLS players playing for the U.S. men's national team. Canada's got a bunch of them and they played a big role here. Uh, Al Alistair Johnson and Ismail Kone coming in and... Remember, Alfonso Davies started in MLS. I don't hear the Canadians complaining about that. I don't. But this is a very good team. And they did this against Uruguay in the buildup. They outplayed them, but they lost. It's a bad habit. You got to get something out of here. I'm, I'm, I feel you, Canada. You get your moral victory, but you've got to get something out of this. And it didn't happen. But it was, it was wonderful to see. It was great to sit there and watch Canada. It was great to see o hear O Canada being sung. The Soccer OG World Cup Daily. When we return, we will have a look ahead to the U.S. men's national team with England on Friday. And we will finally see the last eight teams in their opening game, including Brazil. The Soccer OG World Cup Daily. Subscribe, download here on YouTube or where all podcasts are available. Okay, we are back, and I know we're excited about USA England Friday. So much to play for. This is, we, we just don't know what's going to happen in this game. The US certainly are capable of running with England, but England's certainly capable of blowing the doors off of anyone in Group B, like they did to Iran. So the big question is what changes can we expect? And you got to lean into these players. The reports uh, coming out on Wednesday that everyone is available for selection. And now you have this opportunity to put in Gio Reyna. And people were upset that he didn't play. And I thought Gio Reyna should have come in. But they were saying Jordan Morris came in for Tim Weah. Jordan Morris is the direct replacement for Tim Weah. 
and he came in for three minutes. Gio Reyna would have been a good choice for Christian Pulisic, who was exhausted. But now, I just don't know where, I mean, you put Gio Reyna in the midfield. Uh, Weston McKinney, we're hearing, is less than 100%. He wasn't 100% going into this game. The set pieces are a big concern because it's just non-existent. You have Kellen Acosta, you have Gio Reyna, and maybe Brendan Aronson, who could take set pieces, are probably all better than Christian Pulisic. But uh, we, can't get, we can't dwell on offensive set pieces if Christian Pulisic's taking it. There's, it's no threat. We do have to be concerned about defensive set pieces because I think that's going to be a big part of this game. We have a very good defensive record, and I hope that you, uh, they dot the I's and cross the T's in this game. I tend to think Gio Reyna finds a way to start this game somehow. You, you have so many class players for the English, and they, by the way, Harry Kane had a bit of an ankle concern. All the reports is he's training and will be ready to go. So the United States, I think it'd be hard to see. Look, you got to balance minutes for everyone. Um, up front, Wea, Pulisic, Sargent, I think that remains the same. I want to say this about Sargent because we're very critical of other forwards. He didn't do much. He had a nice little tap off to Pulisic to set up the Wea goal. He missed his one opportunity in front and then was, was really non-existent for the most part. I mean, that's... I don't think Ferreira is going to play a role here. I think he's moved down a couple rungs. And I wouldn't put him in here. Uh, but the jury's still out on Josh Sargent. We just bestowed on him, thank you, you're our number nine. It's not ideal by any means. It's the same problem with everyone who's played that position. I don't know if that's a Greg Berhalter concern or a talent concern. It might be both. But uh, it's non-existent right now uh, in, in that front. I, we just, man, somebody score a goal from the number nine. It would be the greatest development. Josh Sargent sticks it in. Haji Wright, Jesus Ferreira. Somebody finds a goal against the English. And all will be well in the kingdom. So the changes that can be expected. Uh, Reem and Zimmerman are there. Uh, Serginho Dest, there's some yellow cards. Weston McKinney has a yellow card. Dest has a yellow card. Anthony Robinson was magnificent. I think... You want to keep that back four and Matt Turner intact. Maybe uh, Aaron Long comes in. Maybe. I don't know if Cameron Carter-Vickers comes all the way through. Ream is, uh, is a, a non-starter. He's in for the whole team. Dest may be replaced. We'll see who. If you put in Joe Scally there, I don't know. I would like to see it, though. Uh, he's, been very, he's, very, he's deserved his spot here, and he's not here to make up the numbers. <coughs> The set pieces, though, are the big concern. Does Gio Reyna or Kellen Acosta? I thought Kellen Acosta was really good off the bench. Did a nice amount of little plays. And everyone criticizes the MLS players. You can't do that. you got to take them on an individual basis. I know you want to bury Major League Soccer, but Kellen Acosta played a real nice game. Uh, Walker Zimmerman made the mistake. Other than that, he was pretty good. They just didn't adjust to the uh, adjustments by the Welsh. So England's going to come in thick and fast. USA is going to play. We'll have our full preview of this game tomorrow and we'll roll up our sleeves. We're very excited about that. If the U.S. lose, their World Cup is probably over. Not officially, but probably over. Let's take a look at the other games from tomorrow. And uh, we'll, I just want to start with Brazil. I'm going to start with Brazil. I know it's later in the day. They're taking on Serbia. Brazil is fully fit. I think we're hearing they're going to go 4-1, 4-1, attack-minded. There could be some goals for the Serbs. I rate the Serbs very highly. I have them making the semifinals of this competition. I don't know. But, you know, Alexander Mitrovic is not 100% guaranteed to play. 
but they have Luka Jovic and Dusan Vlajovic to cover him. They have cover there. They have a good talisman, that's a silly expression, in Vanja Milinkovic-Savic, and Dusan Tadic will help there too. Lots of talent there that can match with Brazil. They just don't have the depth, but this is a very good Serbia team. I expect them to run with Brazil. They played them four years ago. It may be a similar game, but here we are with Brazil, and uh, we're hearing Hichalison, Vinicius, Hichalison at the front, Vinicius, Neymar, and Rafinha with uh, Lucas Paqueta behind him. That's insane. Defensively, there could be some openings. Maybe the fullbacks in particular. Goalkeeper, they're rock solid. They have maybe the two best keepers on the planet right now. This is going to... is. How does this Brazil team compare to other teams since they won it in 2002? I have picked Brazil in almost every World Cup to win it, and they have disappointed every time. 2018, out of the quarterfinals against Belgium. 2014, they made the semis, but they got beaten in the Minerasso 7-1 by Germany. 2010, quarterfinals, out by the Dutch. 2006, quarterfinals, out by the French. They make it deep. They, they're not going to miss the knockout stages, but... That is of concern as this tournament gets along. But they'll win this group, and it's going to be such a fun watch. We're so excited to see them. And the big question, how good will Neymar be? He's been great in club play. What does he do here in, uh, in the World Cup? This is his moment. Some say it might be his last World Cup. Brazil unbeaten in 17 against the Serbs, and just one loss in their last 29 games. That was the Copa America final. This is going to be one of the better games, and I like them a lot better than the other two teams in this group, which are Switzerland and Cameroon. Switzerland, to me, is a little over the hill. And uh, the Cameroon side, this is now moving over uh, to the other game in Group G, which will be the early game at 2 a.m. Pacific time. Switzerland have Jan Sommer dealing with a fitness concern, and he is absolutely essential for the Swiss effort. We know these players, they've been together a long time. They have a new manager in Murat Yakin, Granit Xhaka, Sheridan Shakiri. But these guys are on the back end. Oh, by the way, Shaka's been spectacular with Arsenal this season. That's going to give the Swiss a lot of comfort. And they do very well in these World Cups. Four straight World Cups. They get good results. They do well in the Euros. Uh, interesting story about this one. Braille Mbolo is a native of Cameroon. He claims to be the country's biggest fan. Both of his parents are from Cameroon. So this should be pretty emotional for him. And uh, it's just, those things are kind of tread with caution. Uh, we heard it from Cameron Carter Vickers, who's English, American. And he says some of his family are pulling for England. Some, it's uh, it's got to be a little difficult. Rigobert Song is the coach for Cameroon. And they have some good players, a good young team. Uh, this could be a draw. I think Cameroon have enough uh, they are the fourth lowest ranked team in this tournament. And we're very fortunate to get through to the World Cup. But uh, we'll see. The Swiss, uh, I think this is the end of the road for them. But again, underestimate this group at your own peril. Uruguay-Korea. Now this is a game that has my interest. Everyone loves Uruguay. I can understand why. South Korea is defensively stout and has some... Attacking verb. Son Heung-min, according to Paolo Bento, the coach, is fit. He will wear a mask. Bento would add, wearing a mask, natural for him. He's just a... <coughs> he gets involved in these positions all the time. And that's what happens with Son Heung-min. 
They have uh, Kim Min Jae, who has uh, been a rock for Napoli. Lee Kang In, Lee Jae Sung, Hwang uh, Hee Choi, who plays at Wolves, and unavailable. I, I think South Korea they'll possess and they will. Uh, Uruguay will let them. We've seen that with Uruguay. I'm not sure about the Uruguayan setup. They have a really good midfield that could kill games with possession. Fede Valverde, Rodrigo Betancourt, uh, leading the charge of. Uh, that's their strength. Defensively, they are old. And in the attack, they're going to play Luis Suarez. Luis Suarez is 35. They can't play Suarez and Cavani. Cavani's 35. I think bringing these guys in was a mistake. I think Uruguay was ready for a youth movement and they missed the boat. Luis Suarez had his time. Edison Cavani had his time. Diego Godin had his time. Fernando Musleta? What is he doing on this roster? He had his time. This is what happens when you have a young team trying to express themselves. You have these older guys, and if they have to bench them, they're not going to be happy. They're not going to sit there and usually not support the younger players. The younger players kiss the ring because it's Luis Suarez. That worries me for Uruguay. It really does. And I think South Korea is a bad matchup for them. Um, Uruguay, talent-wise, should be able to get through. Their two, their two attacking players should be Darwin Nunez, who we hear is dealing with a fitness issue, and Georgian de Arascaeta, who plays down in Brazil and is a phenomenal second option up at the top. And then you have that great midfield. The Ronaldo Araujo, the Barcelona defender, looks like he won't be able to go, and they need him. I mean, again, Martin Cáceres, what is he doing there? What are these old defenders? Uruguay have talent for days. They had to do the youth movement. They missed the boat, and I think it's going to cost Uruguay. I don't think they get out of the groups here. I hope they do, because they're fun to watch. But it may start badly against this South Korean team, which was very young four years ago. They beat Germany, and they made it. They didn't get through out of the groups. They did. Mexico was solid, you remember. And I think that group, led by Song Hyun Min, are ready for that next step. And they've got to be absolutely uh, buoyant after what Japan did. Not only Japan, Saudi Arabia. These are teams that play in their region. And they both got huge wins. So Asia's starting to flex their muscles. After the Qatar-Iran uh, situation, they're showing their strength, which we expected to see that should be a very exciting matchup. That might be the best one of the day. Uh, we'll see if uh, Uruguay is the real deal. Finally, Portugal and Ghana. That's going to be at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern time. I was reading an article on The Athletic, and it, the headline was, Cristiano Ronaldo is more famous than his country. And it is true. He has had two big moments here that have taken the attention away from the World Cup and on him, where he and Manchester United are parting ways. And that was followed by the Glazers announcing they were going to, are thinking about selling. Um, so this is all, we've seen some of the videos and it, it is a distraction. Will it affect Portugal? Not really. The, uh, the, maybe they use it to their advantage. Maybe everyone focuses on Portugal because the talent on this Portuguese team is so good. However, they were the champions in 2016 in the Euros. Before and after, they've always had bad slip-ups in competitions. And not to diminish what they did in 2016, but that is the reality of what has been going on here with this team. There was a, there was a uh, media address on Tuesday, and all the media personnel asked about Ronaldo. And unfortunately, it was Fernando Santos, the coach, and Bruno Fernandes, the player up there, and he uh, 
they had to take all these questions about Ronaldo. And Fernando Santos puts his hand in, his head in his hand, and he's frustrated. He's a pro. He knows how to do this. The bigger question, Ronaldo has not scored in eight of the last nine games for Portugal. And their formation is Ronaldo up top. And then you have, you have uh, the three attackers behind that are extremely good. You have Bruno Fernandes right behind him. Diogo Jota is not playing, but you'll still have Bernardo Silva and either João Félix or Rafael Leal. That's unbelievable. And then defensively, Ruben Diaz and João Cancelo are probably the best at their position. Uh, it's, it's, they're that good. This is a huge team. The weakness is Ronaldo. He hasn't scored. Now, who would replace him is a question. That's not. He is going to start the first. He's going to start the second game. But that's going to be a big decision if they're not getting production out of him. Portugal had to bring in Ronaldo. But it's, it's not a distraction for the players. It might be a distraction for the opponents in a good way. And Ronaldo has to be clinical. And with all these distractions for him, maybe that will be hard to do. Ghana, the youngest team in the World Cup. This is a tall order for them. It's great that they are here. They are the, along with Senegal, the best African teams at these World Cups. Uh, Iñaki Williams, who is Basque player, his brother plays for Spain. We saw him today. Iñaki Williams is be one to watch. And they have the IU brothers are still there. There's enough. And there's going to be some young Ghanaian players that we haven't heard of. They're going to come to the surface. I think it'll be a competitive match. Portugal wins this game. Portugal wins the group ahead of South Korea. And there we go on. All right, the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. I apologize about my condition. I'll be much better tomorrow. And we will have the full U.S. Men's National Team preview against England. Everyone's played once. Now we'll know what's for real as they all play twice.